Okay, cool. That's what's up. I'll never let you know, bro, by the way, because it's all for me. Anyway, <laughs> yo, thank you guys for listening, man. Praying that God is continuing to be with you as you make it through this year. Today, we have a very sobering discussion that we wanted to talk about. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, uh, have heard about the recent revelations that have come forward about Ravi Zacharias. And we felt that it was important as a podcast that definitely wants to speak to church issues, try to, I think, communicate and give hope to Christians uh, who may be wrestling with certain issues. We We really felt it was important to just talk about this because it has many implications for just Christian leadership and how we view leadership and how it relates to us in our own faith and how we even hear and handle cases of abuse in the church. And so we've really felt it was important to talk about what had happened. So if you, if you're unaware, first of all, if you don't know, if you, you know, cause there's probably non-Christians listening to this, Ravi Zacharias is a world renowned or was a world renowned. He passed away in 2020. He was a world renowned itinerant evangelist who specialized in apologetics and apologetics is the defense of the Christian faith. So he was mostly known traveling across the the world, really giving defenses for Christian faith. And he did that in America, in the American context. He did that in the Middle Eastern context, Asian context. He was known all around the world to really just been a, a very passionate preacher and defender of the Christian faith. He spoke at many universities. He was invited by Christian organizations at Ivy League institutions to speak and had just developed a reputation for giving cogent and strong arguments for why the Christian faith was true. And there's no doubt that many, many, many people were led to Christ. Many people were, Christians were encouraged in their faith, strengthened in their faith, and were able to better defend their faith to individuals as they in, interacted with skeptics in, in life and in on college campuses in which he spoke. So he had a huge impact on people's Christians, Christian faith and their walk, and was relatively thought to be without scandal until 2017, when there was a woman named Lorianne Thompson who accused him of soliciting nude images to her over the internet. And that scandal broke, and it was the first that anyone had any, uh, that I am aware of, that anyone had any sort of like accusations of any sort of immorality to to Robbie Zacharias. And I remember hearing that story and I was, 
you know, taken aback. I didn't know who to believe, but, you know, Ravi claimed vehemently that he was set up, that he was being extorted. He countersued and they settled out of court. And for the most part, it kind of blew over, uh, even though we're hearing now that there were a lot of internal questions in RZIM, that's the name of his organization that he founded. And a lot of the staff was kind of shut down, those who were still kind of asking questions about that incident. And it kind of died away, died off. And then when he died, I believe in May 2020, many women be, you know, became for, forward and Christianity Today wrote an article in which they made accusations that he had been inappropriate with them. They were massage therapists. And as a result of these accusations, his organization, they commissioned a law firm called Miller and Martin to do an investigation report into these sexual accusations. And very recently, the full report was released in terms of what had been said. So I, I really want to take some time to just, you know, the entire document's about what, 13 or 14 pages long or something like that. And I definitely want to inspire you to, to read it. We're going to leave a link to the document in the, in the uh, podcast notes uh, so that, you know, encourage you to read the full document, but I'm just going to pull out some snippets and read them to you of basically what the investigation found. So one snippet says, several massage therapists confirmed Mr. Zacharias's frequent efforts to try for more than a massage. As one therapist put it, eight therapists reported that Mr. Zacharias would start the massage either completely nude or would remove the sheets during the massage. Six therapists reported that he always or almost always had an erection during the massage. Four therapists reported that he would either touch his genitals or ask them to touch his genitals. And five therapists reported that he touched or rubbed them inappropriately. Another snip, snippet, you know, because the investigation spoke to one woman in particular. And she elaborated on the nature of her and Ravi Zacharias' interaction. This witness told us that their relationship began as a normal massage therapist-client relationship. And she came to think of him as a father figure. He elicited information about her faith and her financial situation. She reported that after he arranged for the ministry to provide her with financial support, he required sex from her. According to his to this witness, Mr. Zacharias used religious expressions to gain compliance. As she was raised to be a person of faith, she reported that he made her pray with him to thank God for the opportunity they both received. She said he called her his reward for living a life of service to God. And he referenced the godly men in the Bible with more than one wife. She said he warned her not to ever speak out against him or she would be responsible for the millions of souls whose salvation would be lost if his reputation was damaged. Right. And one last uh, snippet I wanted to read here because they they perused through his phones and they found pictures of many women, over 200 pictures of different women. And in some of the photos, some of the, the different women are kissing for the camera or otherwise suggestively posed. One set contained nude images of a young Malaysian salon employee. The earliest picture of her is dated August 20th. 2017 and shows her standing in the lobby of a salon with Mr. Zacharias and another man. Travel records confirm that Mr. Zacharias was in Malaysia at the time. Over time, more pictures of this woman appeared in Mr. Zacharias's phone, 
Most of us were relatively innocuous and show her fully clothed. However, the photographs grew increasingly more suggestive, culminating in two photographs showing her bare breasts dated October 27, 2018, and a video of her fully naked and two touching herself dated January 8, 2019. Two other women told us that Mr. Zacharias asked for nude photos, which they refused to provide. So, and there's a lot more in the document. It would probably take me our entire time just reading that document. But needless to say that the investigation found conclusive evidence that Ravi Zacharias had engaged in uh, sexual misconduct. And he was an abuser. He uh, practiced not only, you know, sexual abuse, but spiritual abuse. He manipulated people based on his uh, authority as a trusted Christian preacher. And he harmed many women in, in doing so and ultimately deceived many people that were following him. Ministry that he was a part of simply provided no accountability, no structure for accountability. And he was allowed to get away with what he did for decades and it's only now until now that he's dead, a lot of this is coming out. So this has kind of rocked the church. It's rocked a lot of Christians. And, you know, it's something that I think that we need to take time and reflect on to, to, to learn what God might be trying to teach us as a result of this whole thing. So I wanted to turn it over to you guys, Lordez and Clay, as you guys sort of heard this and read the document. What were your thoughts? I mean, Brian, it's it's really the lying while dying for me. Like that's that's the overall issue. Robbie Zacharias passed away in 2020. The initial allegations of his sexual misconduct were brought out in 2017. The he denied the allegations to his very death. Now, I don't want to come here and like disparage anyone or talk about their indiscretions or talk about people's lives because we all have our stuff. But for this man to have been such a defender of the faith, to have been such a vocal point in Christianity, for him to the day that he died, deny the allegations and still try to disparage the, the people that were making accusations towards him. It is just like it's unreal. It's unfathomable. Like, like I just, I, I was reading through this document and I'm like, yo, like they need to put an explicit content parental advisory notification over this document. It's like, I felt like I was reading Pornhub as I'm, I'm reading it. Like he just was involved in the, just the craziest, craziest, most illicit activities. And it just is, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. Like, look at like the pathology here. Ravi was was telling her, you know, he believes that she is his reward. You don't think he believed that? You know what I'm saying? At some point, he believed that. And so, if you're going to die, you're going. You're you're going. You're coming to the end. And you're that deep. You know you're that deep. Your soul ain't right. You know your soul ain't right, but you somehow, def a defense mechanism, something, you believe that all those bad things that you have been doing, those things that are morally corrupt that you know are sins, you have now made yourself believe 
that those lies are true. So you have to protect yourself. You're going to protection mode. So it's not that hard. It's not that hard for me to believe that that he got there. What bothers me is, or or the question I'm asking myself is, how did he get there? How did he get there? And and the more I step back and I look at it with sober, with a sober mind and or a clear lens, you know, I, I look. I'm not saying if you name a ministry after yourself that that's an indicator that you ain't right. But in hindsight, if 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 I'm gonna if I'm going to be a manipulative attacker with a God complex. I might name my ministry Clay Williams Ministries and keep it moving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh no, it all does make sense. And that's what Christians need to do today. We need to start going, yo, what actually makes sense right now? Let me take a step back and examine this whole thing. I'm not saying... Let's deconstruct our faith. This has nothing to do with God. Ravi Zacharias was, he approached the word academically. So it's easier for me to separate what he's saying, you know, his words from his actions, because two things can be true. Two things can absolutely be true. I believe you can, you can be a Christian and be doing some dirt on the side because you know, whatever. Maybe you can't. You can't own that yet. You can't get. I mean, but dog, you you let that thing fester, and that thing goes unchecked. Yo, man, that Christian celebrity. I I, I cannot find anywhere in the Bible where it seemed that it was a good thing for somebody to have a significant degree of fame. I can't. I can't. And we and as Christians, man, we really. Guys are asking ourselves some hard questions. Why do we prop up the people we prop up? Why do we attach ourselves to these celebrities? Is it is it a hope to see something in ourselves that we wish was there and we know is not there? Something to aspire to? And that's that's I mean, that's always gonna bring you destruction. You're you're putting a man or a woman. You're putting God's creation up on this pedestal to be your 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 north star, and that's and that's hard. And I get that because I come up in that situation. I come up in that 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 era of Christianity where, like, you know, my pastor was, you know, the Pope. <laughs> you know, like that's that's what we do. We we constantly look for kings because, God forbid, we just look to the real king for our moral compass, our groundedness, our ultimate authority, our ultimate influence. Yeah, I feel I feel bad. Yeah, that was good, Clay. Yeah, for me, just my personal sort of reflection on it. So I was someone who gleaned from Ravi Zacharias's ministry. I remember very fondly years ago now, it's... I was at Howard and feel like the years just keep, wow, I was at Howard like 15 years ago. It's crazy. <laughs> but when I was at Howard, I was heavily into apologetics. When I had gotten converted as a freshman at Howard, I was immediately in dialogue with people who did not believe what I believe. 
And Ravi Zacharias was one of those people that his ministry was very helpful for me. I read many of his books, his articles, listened to his radio show, watched his videos. And he really just helped me to be able to communicate intelligibly about the Christian faith. Honestly, just recently when I was at Christian Union, I used one of his books, Jesus Among Secular Gods, to talk to skeptics on Columbia's campus. So, you know, I had gleaned a lot from his ministry. And so I was surprised 100%. I mean, because Ravi wasn't just a professor, right? He, there was obviously an intellectual aspect to his, his preaching, but it wasn't like he gave like boring lectures about the Christian faith, where it just was super theoretical. He was a preacher. And if you listen to his videos and stuff like that, he was a passionate preacher and an amazing storyteller. And so when you listen to someone preach so passionately, the truth of Jesus Christ, and then you hear that they were living in large contradiction to what they preached, it, it was shocking. So I'm not going to say that I was devastated by it, but I was definitely shocked. It did not, it, it took me by surprise. Did not think that Robbie would be the one to do it. And I think one of the things I'm guilty of, and I think something that God is challenging me on as I look at this is, I tend to think that the people with right theology are not the ones who are going to end up in this situation. Like if I'm going to think about a Christian leader falling or this isn't falling, this was like perpetual sin, but like a Christian leader getting caught in sin, my thought is, well, it tends to be the leaders with some wonky doctrine, you know, they're the ones that are going to be the ones that are going to get exposed for, you know, falling in sin. But I'm realizing more and more that you can be very theologically astute, very philosophically astute, uh, and even a passionate preacher and be in sin. So right theology does not save you from the flesh, right? Only the spirit can do that. And so that's something I think I'm being personally challenged on as I reflect about this, among other things. I think another thing that I'm being personally challenged on was when I first heard about the accusation in 2017, I think I was a little bit too quick to, to get into a place of like, well, I guess we don't know, you know, because Robbie had denied it and maybe, maybe he is being extorted. I don't know. And I don't know if we really sufficiently asked enough questions uh, about that when that first came out. And uh, in the report that was released by the law firm, they made clear that there were staff who on the, at the time were asking some questions and they got sort of relegated and pushed away and blackballed in the ministry. And so there was a cover-up kind of going on within that. And I think that his organization, but a larger part of evangelicalism, the, the Christian church just sort of kind of said, eh, no big deal. We're going to give him a pass. And we sort of kind of gave him a pass to the point where, you know, he died. He died of cancer. And that kind of questions of mm, what brought on the cancer? Was it judgment? Was it his own sort of guilty conscience? <laughs> I, I raised a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, no, nah, it was 5G. 
It was five. <laughs> it was five G, <laughs> but he died of cancer, and everybody, you know, Mike Pence smoke at his funeral, and everybody just kind of act like, "Hey, Lori Ann Thompson didn't make this huge accusation, and we didn't ask any questions." And I think that that was another thing that, as I reflect on it now, I mean, obviously, I'm not close to the situation, and I have I had no power per se in the situation, but I do think that in my own heart, I kind of excused him, even though I thought it was kind of fishy too quickly, just moved on from it a little bit too quickly. And so hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you say Mike Pence was at the funeral? Yeah. Mike Pence spoke at his funeral (laughs) and Mike Pence eulogized him. Y'all don't see a a connection here. (laughs) That's the first problem. No, no, no. Yo, man. Pizza game might be real, man. Wait, what? Pizza game? Pizza game might be real. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, Lordez, were you going to say something? No, I was just trying to say, like, it. it's character. Character recognizes character. When people who have questionable characters are the people who are supporting one another, it really makes you call into question, like, mm, this is your circle? This is who you're running with? Like, this is who eulogizes you? It just, it, we really, to your point, like, we really need to start looking at people a lot closer because the the report, it shows, like, there were glaring, glaring issues that people just overlooked. Like, he had multiple cell phones. He used multiple email addresses. He used private, you know, well, he, he wouldn't use the the RZM internet connection. He would use sure. public internet connections to, to, you know, conduct business. So it's like, when, when, when I hear stuff like that, I don't know, maybe it's because I got a hoodster background. I don't know, like, I, I know scammers where it's like, that's problematic behavior and that needs to be looked into. So Brian, to your point of like, we, we far too easily excused him. Like I think everyone around him far too easily excused him where they looked there, there was this, you know, the shady behavior that he was partaking in and no one brought it into question or they too easily dismissed the people who did. And it's like, we wanted to get wrapped up in his celebrity and get wrapped up in who he is as a man. And we just completely dismissed glaring, inconsistencies with his behavior but you were making a point so go back to that no no yeah that's right man i mean as you were speaking you know the thing that to me bothers me about this and we really do need to think about this we for some reason man when we have our heroes we just do not want to believe that they're capable of egregious evil and it's just not true I mean, the only person not capable of egregious evil is Jesus. He's the only man um, not capable of it. And I think that the thing that the church has to ask itself, because, you know, one of the victims, you know, she said one of the reasons why she didn't speak out was she felt like no one would believe her versus a Christian activist, you know, world-renowned Christian preacher that, he had done these things and whatever culture we build, right. In terms of churches. And I know that Robert Zacharias ministries wasn't the church. It was a parachurch organization. Right. But whatever structures that we are Christian, that we build, the culture has to be such that of course you're going to respect your leaders. Obviously you're going to, you you know, it's not like we're going to go around not respecting our leaders, but we can't ever have a culture where we are not 
like it's an intimidation factor, you know, where victims can't speak out for fear of not being believed. And, you know, the organization was such that when when Lorianne Thompson did speak out, she was discredited and the ministry did nothing to further investigate that truly to what had happened. And so, you know, it's very easy for some reason. It's, it's something that I'm racking my brain thinking through is that, you know, for some reason, man, like we really do a poor job in the church. And I mean, obviously in the world, there are institutions where it's completely corrupt, but we're supposed to know better. Right. But we, we do a poor job of creating cultures where abusers can make accusations confidently and know that the institution will do its due diligence and getting to the truth of the matter. And so that, yeah, that's, was disturbing, disturbing. Brian, I wanted to respond to a couple of things with, this idea of his being, you know, this intellectual hero where a lot of people were able to look up to his academic explanation of the Bible, like, yeah, yeah, that that does that's not surprising that he had such a questionable lifestyle and was still able to do that. Like in the Bible, it says like, you know, demons believe, like you believe that God is one, good for you. Demons believe and they tremble. Like you, you know, believing and understanding that God is one or God is is great and being able to break that down. It's like, okay, cool. You understand that intellectually. That that doesn't surprise me that he can still have such a clear diction and have such a clear explanation of the gospel or the breakdown of the Bible because demons understand that and they tremble at who God is. Like they're aware of that. So it's like, oh, yep, that makes sense to me. But then, you know, as the church, like we do this thing where we support the patriarchal structures that are presented with the Bible or we we support, you know, we use certain scriptures and use it as this is support for, you know, the the silencing of women or the diminishing of women and too often in the church, there are instances where there is a powerful man and who abuses a woman. That woman comes forward and that woman is silenced and that man is then protected. He's supported. His character is tried is, is, is tried to be promoted and reconciled. And that woman is left with the brokenness of this man has devastated my life there's a ruination of my life now. And now this, this person is being promoted and propagated as, you know, a savior basically in the church. And it, it happens far too often. Like we saw recently with the hashtag church Two movement where women were coming out and telling numerous accounts of a church leader touching them inappropriately or, you know, saying something inappropriate to them or having years of sexual misconduct going on. And the church swept it under the rug because he was a prolific speaker or because he, you know, he knew the gospel well or he helped a lot of people come to Christ. It's like, yeah, that's that's a problematic history that we have in our, our in the church culture. And we have to confront that. Like, that's why men like this are able to be predatorial in the church, because they know that there is this this structure and this pathology that is used very often to silence women and silence victims. And it's problematic. Word. I don't know what I don't know what the solution is anymore. I think I'm honestly jaded. I don't know if there is a solution. I don't know 
when as long as there is going to be a power dynamic in anything Christian, you're going to get worldly results. And so I've really been struggling with what authority does a pastor have in my life? And how much space of influence does that pastor hold in my life? Now I look at pastors everywhere. It's probably because I'm older. You know, I'm 32. I don't, you know, there's a lot more people who are younger than me than there are older than me. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it feels like. And so I don't look at pastors as these like older, sage, almost Gandalf mystical figures. I used to when I was 20. Then I got a little older and saw a little too much, saw and peeked behind the curtain. And so now I look at pastors in general as as friends, as coworkers, right? That's that's the spot that you hold. You're a coworker that I know is really gifted in this area and God uses you in certain ways. Outside of that, you are still a man or a woman capable of all kinds of evil, capable of all kinds of good, capable of all kinds of evil. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's been so many, so many instances just, you know, in recent history and just throughout church history of church leaders and authority who have uh, been revealed to be participating in all kinds of egregious sin. And I think that one of the things, you know, obviously it's very devastating to our Christian faith or like numbers is not devastating to our faith, but it's, it is something that can cause us to become very jaded and suspicious. And I do think that there is a healthy level of suspicion that, or a healthy level of what's the word I'm looking for, a, a way of which you can view people in which you take very seriously. The fact that sin is rooted into our nature and who we are and what we do. But I also think that God does put authority into our lives for the good, right? And so we we definitely want to, as best we can, respect authority and still have pastors as authority. But I think that we can do that. And even as we set up structures of authority, put things in place in which we never assume. And I think one of the things, there's probably a lot of things that went wrong in our Zen, but I think one of the things was that for whatever reason, and it could be selfish reasons because it was a million dollar ministry, they just sort of assumed that Ravi Zacharias would never be what he what he was. And they allowed him to get away with no accountability. And I think that the second you establish someone as an authority in any church structure, whether it has millions of people following it or two people following it, and there's no accountability, no attempt to ask real questions about this person's life, thought life, what they're doing, what they're struggling with. You know, Robbie Zacharias was allowed to fly all across the country, be away weeks at a time, days at a time. No one's asking any questions. There should We should be asking even more questions about people who have these places of authority in our lives. And so while we can't fully prevent all of this, because yes, sin is pervasive for sure. I do think that this could have been caught probably a long time ago and many, many victims could have been spared 
if things were put in place in terms of structure that caught some of this stuff. And I think one of the things I want, I want to say this and another thing, one of the things we have to do is not assume that our leaders, no matter how passionately they preach the Bible and how much truth you get from them, you know, Lord, as you were right, the devils know truth and they tremble yet they are in disobedience. And so while we are, on a path of sanctification and we're probably not quite as evil as demons, it's still possible for us to know truth and not um, be obedient. And I think the second thing I want to say, I, I want to speak to laymen and I want to speak to to ministers as well. We have to be, and I'm saying we, because I've been in a place of authority and I've had to, you know, check my own heart and my own thought life and things that I've done as a minister. You have to be, honest with yourself, no matter the stakes, right? And I think one of the the issues that comes with the huge platform and comes with being a celebrity is that if I'm honest about the fact that I am entertaining sin pervasively, repeatedly, ongoing, right? This is going to cause me to lose my ministry, right? I'm going to have to step down. It's embarrassing. It's going to be a scandal, whatever the case may be. And I'm sure Robbie Zacharias was probably trying to prevent all that and all the secrecy. But guess what? God exposed him anyway. (laughs) Post-death, you still get exposed. So at the end of the day, like you can't get around from it. You know what I mean? And I think that what we need to be doing, you have to be honest about, look, if you find yourself in an authority place of authority, the temptation to abuse that authority becomes real. You know, Robbie Zacharias, I'm sure he sat back and he realized, I don't know if he consciously thought this, but at some point he realized, I can do what I want, get away with it, and people will believe me, right? And so he entertained all of these things because he knew he get, get, could get away with it. And when you are in a place of authority, right, if God should give you a platform, you have to, one, expect that there will be greater temptations because your heart will put two and two together. It will become aware of the fact that you can get away with things. Chances are people are going to see you as the man of God, Right. They're going to see you as the one who is ordained and blessed and anointed of God. God. Right. And you will know that you can you can do things. Right. And you have to be honest when you feel that impulse come into your heart and you recognize you're entertaining it. You have to you have to tell people (laughs) you you just have to. The document talked about many people coming to Ravi Zacharias and asking questions and he would react to them angrily. Right When they asked him about Lorianne Thompson and the accusations that she made, they he would react angrily. It, It was to a point where you couldn't even point out sin to him. Imagine becoming so hard-hearted that people want to come to you, confront you about your sin, and you can't receive it. That's how hard his heart had gotten. And you don't just wake up like that. That's years and years and years and years of years of searing your own conscience to the point where you're not allowing people to be able to speak into your life, man. So, yeah, man, that's, that's, 
that's kind of what I really wanted to say on that, man. Yeah, Brian, I just think like it is like you mentioned, you know, that we're maybe not as evil as demons. I think that's the temptation of humans to 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 think that like it's it's pride to think that we are actually more good than we are. Like the Bible says our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Like we we do have that inner you know, depravity that is like that, that, that has us and gives that proclivity towards sin. So it's, it's a pride in ourselves to think like I am any better than I actually am, or that, you know, I can avoid certain sins or I can, I can dabble in certain things and, oh, I'm not going to get led down that way or, or, or that's not going to ruin me or that's not going to hurt other people because, oh, I can handle that. It's like, no, it's it's actually the, the pride of man that tells us that we are better than we are. And that it really is but for the saving grace of God that we are able to do any good. There is no good in us. It, it is really the, the grace of Jesus Christ that allows us to, to, to do and be good. But I, you know, overall, I just think Robbie Zacharias got to this, pray, this place because power corrupts. And if you are given unlimited power, as you said, and you're allowed, there's no oversight, there's no accountability, or there's a semblance of accountability where while he had someone who traveled with him on his ministry trips, he had hours and days where he was alone, where this person wasn't necessarily watching him. So he could he could claim accountability. He could claim that there was someone with him and he was never alone with women, but there were hours in which he was alone and by himself and he was allowed to be predatorial. So it just is power corrupts. And if you know that you are impacted by power, you have to remove yourself from it. Like at, even in, in, in my own sphere as an educator, like there are just certain positions that I refuse to take anymore because power definitely corrupts. And you just if you know, like the way the way my anger is set up, I don't I don't need to be in that position or I don't I don't need to put myself in this place because when you're you're given unlimited power, it definitely corrupts. So you have to be able to be held accountable. You have to have oversight. You have to challenge your own self. And you can't have that pride to say, like, I I can't fall into sin or I won't get tempted by certain things because big facts like humans are depraved and we have proclivities to certain things that, you know, will will overtake us and lead us down a road that we just aren't trying to go. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So just in closing, man, I kind of just wanted to... Throw it out to you guys, you know, because I definitely want to be sensitive to people who, you know, who may really have their faith rocked by this. Right. What words would you say to encourage, you know, someone who might actually be questioning their faith? I would imagine that there are people who have were bought brought to Christ by Ravi Zacharias who might be questioning their faith who were deeply impacted by what he he taught and I don't know that they may ever stumble upon this podcast but you know for people who or or just you know there might be people who aren't even Christians who are looking at this and going see this is why I ain't want to do that Christianity stuff you know how how do we respond to that how do we give hope to people who are hurting and who how do we respond to people who are saying see this is evidence that your Jesus isn't real I just think for me like my my response to everything is always go back to the Jesus of the Bible I'm gonna say that today I'm gonna say that tomorrow I'm gonna say that forever. The Jesus of the Bible 
is who he says he is. And far too often we are led away from the Jesus of the Bible because we are looking at the people of today. Ravi Zacharias is not God. He, he was not God. He is not God. Jesus of the Bible is. And the Jesus of the Bible, who he presents himself to be, that's really who he is. So if you are looking at a church leader who falls and who stumbles, like I would point you back to the Jesus of the Bible. Like if you look at who God is in the gospels, especially if you are a woman who has been, you know, assaulted or impacted or in any way, shape or form taken advantage of by a man in the church in, in leadership, I point you back to the gospel, the gospels of Jesus Christ. Every single time Jesus interacted with a woman in the Bible, he validated her, he uplifted her. He went away from the, the cultural systems of the day and affirmed women. We see that with the woman caught in adultery. Like they brought her, they did not bring the man. They brought the woman to be stoned. They did not bring the man to be stoned, even though both of them were caught in, in the act of adultery. They brought the woman and Jesus said to them, let he who was without sin cast the first stone and told her that her sins were forgiven and for her to go free. Like they, every single time he interacted with a woman, it was it was different than, you know, how society was interacting with her. So for me, like whenever I I see these instances of church leader moral failings or some, you know, big name church pastor falling, it just reminds me that I have to go back to Jesus. I did not put my faith in Ravi Zacharias. My faith was not placed in Carl Lentz or my faith was not placed in any other pastor who has fallen within the last 20 odd years. My faith is in Jesus Christ. And the, he said that he is the word and the way that he presents himself is through the word. So if you're questioning him, go back to the gospels and read him for yourself. Take away Ravi Zacharias's writing. Sift that out your mind. If you have to detox from sermons that you're listening to, if you have to stop reading, you know, ap apologetic books, if you have to do all that, push it to the side. Read the Bible in the message version if you don't understand it in the King James or read it in the ES ESV if you don't understand the NIV. Like read it in all different types of versions so that you can understand it for yourself because ultimately your faith is in Christ and it is not in a man or a woman. That's, I, I uh, second, third, and fourth that totally. I think there's an expectation to have childlike faith. That is good. But to be like a child in how we interact with other people of the faith, this is, again, this is me say, saying this to me. And so I'm harsher with myself than I am with anybody else. It was like, grow, grow up. This is, this is par for the course. This is the world that we live in. Grow up so that you don't make the same mistakes, so that you recognize where having accountability in your life is so important. I could not, where if I were to ever be the leader of anything that I am in no position of, a, of power or authority over anybody, because this is, it's, I, I'm not, you're not in like La La Land youth group anymore where everything is, is great and you're protected from the world. The world is a dark and scary place and bad things happen in the world. And it doesn't matter who you call your God. Bad things happen in this world and all men are capable of doing bad things. So you do the best that you can do 
to be the adult in all situations by protecting yourself, by having the right levels, having accountability if you're in positions of power, because you will, you can fail. You can fail. Anybody can fail. I am no better than anybody else. And nobody is better than me. So, you know, I would, I would, I was just really telling myself to come to a place of accepting, accepting that, that bad things happen, that people make poor choices. It's not the totality of who somebody is, but Hey, nobody is, no one's Jesus, but Jesus. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree with what you guys said. And I think I want to definitely second what you said, Clay, in terms of like, it's definitely okay to feel what you feel. Like don't feel like your thoughts are, or your emotions are anyway, blaspheming or like, you know, God's disappointed in you. If you're questioning your faith or you're not supposed to feel this way because you're a Christian now, like if you're angry, if you're hurt, if you're frustrated, it's it makes sense. <laughs> it's actually good, you know, and it's normal to react to, you know, that sense of betrayal you have. And, you know, somebody you looked up to and you thought was um, not capable of these things. And he did do these things. So I definitely want to say it's definitely OK and normal to be feeling what you're feeling. And I would say, you know, take those feelings to God full force, man. <laughs> have those conversations, those real conversations with the Lord. And then also try to process it with people who can be sensitive to what you're, what you're thinking and what you're, you're feeling as well. And like Lord, Lord has said, scripture is important. And I, and I, and I think she's right going back to the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible. But I also want to expand that. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that when we look at the Bible, the Bible both records in a lot of the quote-unquote heroes of the Bible, the good and the bad, right? Almost anybody you can look, Father Abraham, the father of faith, you know, slept with Hagar, right? David, adultery, murder, Moses, rebel, you know, was had a, had a little spiritual hissy fit and God told him he ain't going into the land, <laughs> right? Time and time again, right? Even our apostle Paul, it, it, it didn't, it, the Bible doesn't record his life after he became converted. It talked about the fact that he was persecuting Christians and responsible for them dying. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible records it like this. I think God is opening up our eyes to the fact he's trying to tell us, expect corruption, <laughs> Even even from the greatest of your heroes, the ones you look up to, expect corruption. As a matter of fact, the only person who you don't expect corruption from is Jesus. And God sets it up that way to help us to recognize that, man, we really do need Jesus. He really, truly is the hero in all of this. You know, he is the hero. He is the one that was sinless. Right. He is the one that takes on our sins. And eventually when we enter into the new age and God removes our sinful natures and we will be like him. Okay, cool. You know, no sin. And that's great. But living in this age, you know, I think scripture records things in such a way that 
it, it doesn't try to whitewash even the people that we come to respect and pattern ourselves after. So I would say, man, you know, definitely look in scripture, but also definitely look to the the whole corpus and 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 see what God is is telling both through doctrine and through the lives of people recorded about human nature, you know. And and I think when you do that and you you begin to see people fully for who they are and what they're capable of, and you you love and respect the great that they do, but you never come to a place where you don't expect them to fall. And when you found out that someone's been egregiously in sin, it might be disappointing and shocking, but at the same time, when we when we come to an understanding of what the Bible teaches about our our fallenness, we do come to understand like, yeah, this, this is not something that is beyond the scope of possibility. And that's the sobering thing. That's the scary thing. That's the thing that's frustrating, but it is our reality, you know, and this is why I like the Bible. And this is why part of the reason why I think the Bible is true. I mean, we don't have a religion that tries to paint some rose colored picture about the world that we live in because if the bible was all milk and cookies and god is great and and everybody's cool then it wouldn't be a realistic picture of what we're dealing with in the world but uh, it's gritty it's dark it's 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 scary <laughs> and jesus comes to save us all you know and i think that's a realistic picture of what to expect so yeah i don't know if you guys had any final thoughts if you guys want to say anything yeah, my my one thought is that that I just I just want us to humanize the victims. Unfortunately, the only name of the victim that we can say right now is Lorianne Thompson because she's the only recorded name of an, an accuser that came forward. The women who are, were interviewed for the report they did so anonymously to you know protect their privacy and to to protect their lives. But I really, I want to challenge us as a church and especially those on the evangelical side. I want to challenge my brothers. Like when you hear about a moral failing with a church leader, like I want us to, to remember to humanize the victim and to not be so quick to dismiss accusations against others and just really look at things from a whole lens and really try to honor and humanize victims. Yeah. And I I think that's good. Let me just quickly add to that. I think that a litmus test is, you know, how do you, what is your, what is your reaction when an accuser brings something forward? Do you look with suspicion, right? Like if you, if your first reaction is to be suspicious of an accusation, well, how dare she or even he bring an accusation against pastor or this or that? You're already in a bad place. You're in a scary place, right? Like we don't we don't assume suspicion of people who bring accusations. I mean, obviously, you want to do your due diligence in fleshing out every accusation, but you you certainly don't want to look with suspicion um, an accusation. So yeah, definitely, you know, that's good advice, Lord us. Anything, Clay? You got anything to say? If not, it's cool. Yeah, I no. <laughs> I think it was all said. I I, I agree with Lourdes. I, I I feel like we do need to. I really wish the 
initial dialogues were more in defense of of the women. You know, I think a lot of it is because even me at first, I was like, all right, I need to hear all the facts. And that's true. I think we need to always hear the whole thing. But I I rarely hear in the news when a woman has made an accusation that it wasn't true, you know? So it's like, let, I'd rather be wrong about trusting a woman's story of abuse than even being right about her lying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we should give the benefit of the doubt to the accuser. I, I actually think that the burden of proof is on the accused to show why he's not accused. That's, that's what I believe, you know, and we take every accusation seriously until, until it can be shown that the accuser is probably motivated in some improper way. But outside of that, I think we take every accusation seriously and I believe the burden of proof is on the accuser to show why this accusation is not true because to make an accusation, you put yourself out there and the vast majority of people would not do so under a pretense of lying. Right. Especially if you're going to accuse someone like Robbie Zacharias, right? Like you understand that if you're lying about that, the how you're going to look. So, that's even more evidence about the fact that you're more than likely telling the truth and we should approach it as such, you know, so. I think within our judicial system, we do, you know, our defendants do have that innocent until proven guilty. We do have that, that, that burden of, you know, like we, we, we are presumed innocent until there is a burden of proof against us. But I just, I just think in the court of public opinion, far too often we crucify victims in the church, especially like we, you know, there have been instances of where women have, you know, accused men uh, falsely and that are, that has a whole nother level of implications, but far too often from what I've, I have experienced in the church is that victims are treated with you know, just, just this air of suspicion and they are silenced. And I, that is the part that I want to challenge that we're like, especially if you're in, you're a church board member or you're some sort of church leader. If, if someone in your flock in your body, if a, a woman, especially in your flock in your body comes to you and, you know, they, they bring something as egregious as the level of the things that Robbie Zacharias was doing, please, please, please do not just dismiss what she's saying, like actively search it out actively try to find the truth and don't just err on the side of like oh well pastor so and so would never oh he might so you know just look at at all sides amen amen well truly sobering thing that has happened and uh, i think I, my prayer is that this would cause churches to really do real reflection and that we would do better Simple as that. And my hope is that God would move in such a way that we do better because we need to do better straight up. So thank you guys for listening uh, to this episode of Sidemish Podcast. I am Bryant, the Theological Giant, signing out. This is Lordess Anita standing in her personhood and making sure that she's praying tonight to make sure that all her sins are confessed. Okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And this is Clay, a.k.a. Digital Finish That.
<laughs> he keeps changing his name all the time. I'm gonna do it every every time. Every time. <laughs> Alright guys, thank you. We'll see you in the next. Image.